and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the CSP Bears podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Peterson, and I want to thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your day to hang out with me. Last week, I sat down with a senior kicker for the Golden Bears, Jonas Schenderlein. Jonas and I chatted about his long, winding journey to the U.S., how he began his kicking career, a little bit about the possibility of playing professional football, and his aspirations of working in international business. Personally, I think that was one of my favorite shows, so please, please go check it out. It was an absolute blast. And when you're looking for that uh, episode, check out the CSP Bears podcast. It can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. So please go download, subscribe, follow, or whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of the Golden Bear Athletics. And here at the CSP Bears podcast, we like to consider us a podcast by and for the people of Concordia. So we want you, the listener, to get involved. Please tweet at CSP Bears to send us your questions or even your guest ideas, and we'll feature them on the podcast. We've been at this for just over a month. We want to hear your feedback. Tweet us and let us know your questions, guest ideas, and how you're liking the CSP Bears podcast. We want to tell the story of Concordia Athletics and everyone that make it so special. This week, however, I have a real treat in store for all of you. This week, I'm excited to chat with a man who many consider to be a jack-of-all-trades, as well as an assistant softball coach here for the Golden Bears, Mr. Tommy Maurer. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tanner. I appreciate it. Tommy is an assistant, is the assistant director for facilities here at CSP, as well as an assistant coach for the softball program. He began his work in the athletic department here at CSP in 1995 as facilities manager, and he spent numerous seasons as a baseball coach while while also taking the interim position in 99, posting a 13-16 and 16 record for their final season known as the Comets. The Harding High School graduate played baseball and football at Minnesota State University in Mankato as a Maverick, and Tommy has had a handful of impressive positions here in sports. But we'll get to that later. So Tommy, what kind of tell me, what was it like growing up in St. Paul as a kid, and how has the city changed? Oh, it's changed, it's changed dramatically. Uh over the years, but I, I grew up over on the east side of St. Paul. Um, have five brothers, four brothers, five boys counting me. I have one sister and very athletic family. Uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, all those kinds of things. We, we, we basic, basically pitched tent here in St. Paul. So my whole family uh, has grown up uh, on the east side of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned your family there. I know you've got kind of a, quite the group of characters. Can I talk about the Mauer family and the tight bond that you guys have? Well, it's an athletic family. My, my, my father and my, my uncles were very athletic at St. Thomas and, and McAllister and, and uh, a lot of the local universities and, and colleges here. Uh, so we're a very athletic family. Uh, we grew up, I, I grew up playing football and football for my father, who was, a, who was a, a football coach at Harding High School for 21 years, and he also coached at Humboldt for, for his other 20 years. So we kind of grew up... Uh, uh, athletically playing playing everything football baseball basketball anything we could get outside in and and, and get our hands on and, and we just like like to do it all my brothers uh i've got four i've got three of them so we're kind of four right in a row my brother kenny and my brother brian and my brother mark and myself and then we snuck a girl in there my sister <laughs> and uh and then my youngest brother jimmy played played up at st cloud and so we kind of just uh did what all all young kids did back then and, and just uh kind of you know, did whatever. Yeah. So sports has been a pretty big factor in your family's life, right? Very big. Very big factor. Okay. 
So I've heard that you you and your brothers are really, really close. Can you kind of talk about that close bond that you have? Well, we, we are. I mean, uh, uh, like I said, there were, there were four boys right in a row, and we, we basically did everything together. Um, uh, I took after uh, uh, some of my older brothers and, and followed in what they do uh, in terms of some of the other things that I do, refereeing and playing. And, and uh, uh, But, you know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm real old, but back in the day, that's what you did. We just uh, we did everything with my brothers. We we enjoyed doing it. We enjoyed hanging around with each other, and, and uh, uh, I did everything with my brothers. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So do you have any stories from your childhood that you would really like to share with everyone? Is um, there one that sticks out to you? Good stories, bad stories. I, I know I probably have a few stories, but... Uh, uh, I mean, we, we, I participated in, in numerous uh, uh, regional tournaments, and, and I actually participated in a, in a Babe Ruth uh, kind of a World Series back then and uh, um, went on to, to play down in Kansas City against, against my cousin who coached a team out of North Dakota. Really? And we played in a, in a uh, it was the World Series of, of Babe Ruth baseball down in, down in St. Louis, Missouri. And I just remember, I, I don't know, uh, from from those kinds of stories, there's, I was on first base. My brother Mark hit a ball in the alley that would have scored me easily, and uh, my, my my cousin's center fielder came over and literally jumped, caught the ball, and fell over the fence or whatever, and robbed him of a home run. And I cried for days and, and uh, uh, whatever. But uh, um, playing playing uh, football for my father, I have a, I have a number of of stories when we uh, played back uh, back in the seventies and the eighties. So. Um, but I don't have a lot. No? How old were you at that age when you were playing in the Babe Ruth League? I was 14. I believe my brother Mark was 15. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Babe Ruth back then were 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. And we were really pretty good. We were, we were very good, actually. And uh, went through the sections and the regionals and all those kinds of things and was real fortunate to play, uh, play in, in, in that tournament as well as other ones. Okay. So is that all kids from your kind of area or neighborhood or city, or is it kids from all over? No, this one was, was from uh, St. Paul. Yeah, it was uh, uh, back then you kind of drafted kids in your, in your area. Uh, and, and our coach uh, was a gentleman named John Tetzloff, and, and he drafted, drafted me first. And then uh, with me, I auto, they automatically had a rule where your, your sibling would go on to the same team as, as, as you. So... <laughs> We kind of picked Mark up um, because I was drafted as well, and but no, it was a, it was a kind of a conglomerate of all kids that, uh, and they had a draft and they 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 did their homework and picked players one by one. Really, that sounds pretty cool. So you and your brother were kind of a package deal there, you'd say. We were pa- exactly a package deal. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. So after you're playing football at football and baseball at Harding High School, correct? You went on to play at Minnesota State Mankato as a Maverick. Can kind of talk about your time there and what that brought. Loved playing down down in Mankato. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally moved to Mankato the day after I graduated from high school. Went down there and played summer baseball down there, and and, and uh, started playing for the Mavericks and <clears throat> and enjoyed my time there. We were we were very good there as well. I, I didn't play at the time because I was a freshman, but uh, we went to two college world Division two college world series back in uh, um, seventy nine eighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first two years there, so. Uh, I loved my time down at Mankato and, and ended up staying there uh, for my college career. And that's actually where I, I got hired by the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings oh, yeah. have training camp down there. 
And uh, it's kind of a long story, but I was, I'm the product of being in the right place at the right time. Really? The Vikings were looking for a, a, a person or a guy that uh, could just cater to their needs at, uh, at training camp, drive players around, injured players, pick up players, uh, drive back and forth to Minneapolis when players got let go. <clears throat> and uh, I was um, teaching kids how to play t-ball when the Vikings called a friend of mine. He had to, uh, he had to uh, decline the, uh, the invitation to work with the Vikings, and I said, hey, who was that? And he said, that was the Vikings. And I said, what did they want? Well, they need somebody to just help during training camp. So I literally called the Viking guy back at the spot and told him who I was, and he hired me, and I was there for 14 years. Really? So you've got to have some pretty good stories with that. Oh, i got some classic stories about uh, catering to some of the Vikings back with Tommy Kramer and Keith Millard and Curtis Boo Boo Rouse, who used to actually <laughs> coach football here. But, yeah, a lot of stories about my time uh, working with the Vikings. And then the Vikings, uh, that was right around when the uh, Metrodome was built. Okay. So when I got done with college, I, I had to go get a real job, and I asked the Vikings for a job, and they did not have one. And... Uh, uh, that was right when the the dome was being built, and uh, again, to make a long story short, there was a young lady, this is the honest to goodness truth, honest to God truth, I should say, and I say it because the young lady that was hired by the Vikings wanted to become a nun. Really? Yes. She was hired to cater and operate all the private suites in the Metrodome, and she wanted to leave the Vikings to become a nun. And at that time, the Vikings had asked me, Tommy, how would you like to take her job? I said, I'd love to. They said, well, we really don't know when she's going to leave, but when she does, um, you can have her job. I said, great. About a week and a half later, they called me back. They said, Tommy, she's not leaving yet, but our ticket manager, assistant ticket manager, just got called to become the ticket manager for the Chicago Bears. So is there a chance that you can start earlier and help out in our ticket office learn what Kathy does, and then when she leaves, you can take her job. And I did that. So I'm kind of a product of being in the right place at the right time. Really? That's pretty cool. <coughs> Man. Yeah. So how long did you work for the Vikings? I worked there from 1980, uh, part-time, doing the training camp stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I was hired in 83 when the dome was kind of built, and I stayed there till 93. Okay. So I was there about 12, 13 years okay. over, overall. All right. So once you, after 93, what, what next do you do? After 93, I kind of got caught up in a changing of the guard. If anyone remembers Mike Lynn, Mike Lynn was the general manager for the Minnesota Vikings. Max Winter owned the Vikings, and they retired. And I kind of got caught up in a changing of the guard where Roger Hedrick was, became the new president for the Vikings, and he was hired, and he kind of cleaned house, per se. Mm-hmm. And I got caught up in kind of a transition. So um, I took a couple odds and ends jobs for about a year and a half, and that was when the uh, Gangloff Center was built. Okay. That was in Concordia in 95 or 93 when the Gangloff Center was built. Um, I applied to, uh, actually there were a couple of coaches here that said, Tommy, you'd be, you'd be really good at, at managing and operating our new athletic facilities that we have at Concordia. So I applied and uh, got declined in um, the first hiring. But the, the, the gentleman that they hired was an older guy and... Uh, he actually was 62 years old, and he started to collect Social Security. So they came back to me and said, Tommy, because he collects Social Security, he can't hold down a full-time job here, so how would you like to have that job? 
So that's when I took the job at Concordia. I was hired in June of 1995. Really? And I've been here ever since. And that was at the uh, facilities? Yeah, what was happening was at Concordia, uh, a lot of really good things were happening at Concordia. They built the Gangloff Center. They built the theater. Uh, so their facilities were being expanded uh, drastically. Um, they, they were an NAIA school. I don't even believe we were in the UMAC. We were a, an NAIA school playing all over. But their facilities were, were really nice, including the Gangloff Center. And so what they did was they formed a facilities department. So I was the very first one that was, uh, that was hired in the facilities department. And I managed and operated all of our athletic facilities on campus. Again, that was in 95. Uh, we went Division Two in the year 2000, so uh, that's what I was first hired as was was a uh, a facility director, and then I moved into athletics, managing and 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 uh, operating the athletic department. Uh, oh, I don't know when that was short about probably in 2008, seven, eight, somewhere around in there. Okay. So that kind of brings around your coaching career here at CSP. Yeah, I, I took over the baseball program. I, I so I've helped coach uh, coach baseball here. I helped coach football here for two oh, years. Really? For two years, before we went Division Two, um, I coached football with Dan O'Brien, and uh, and then when I became an athletic director, an assistant athletic director, I kind of got out of the coaching part of it because I, I facilitate or I manage the athletic uh, teams and, and stuff like that. So I got out of it. But then about nine years ago, um, the assistant softball job opened up, and our, softball, our head softball coach, Bob Bartell, actually came in and asked. He said, Tommy, how would you like to come and help us uh, coach softball, which I had never done before, guys. I had never coached women's sports before, so that was a, that was a treat in itself. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed it a lot, and I've been, I've been with Bob and the softball team now for about nine years. Okay, okay. And back in... Did you know uh, Coach Bartell before uh, Concordia, or did you meet him here? No, I was here before Bob. Okay. Bob's been our Bob's been our head head softball coach probably, I'm guessing, fourteen years. Okay, maybe fifteen. And again, I've been here for twenty five. So Bob was an assistant coach here prior to him becoming the head coach. So I knew Bob. I, I knew him, and uh, uh, always enjoyed the way he coached. And 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 I had seen him play a little bit as well. He was he was an excellent. Soft fast pitch softball player as well, so uh, um, I, I jumped at it when when he uh, had an opening and he showed some interest in me helping him coach softball. I, I jumped at it and uh, uh, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, because you guys have a pretty tight bond. I know. I, I like. Uh, yeah, we do. We've uh, we become good friends. Um, um, I, I thoroughly enjoy the way he coaches softball and the way he handles our our players and our our girls and and. Uh, um, uh, Again, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the, the stint I had with the girls and look forward to staying with it. For sure, for sure. You want to talk back a little bit about when you were, the, uh, when you were assistant for the baseball program and then kind of then when you were the interim coach from, I believe it was, 99, if I'm correct? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Well, they made a change. In, Concordia made a change in, in like 98, 90, 97, 98. Um, they made a change in the baseball program. <clears throat> and uh, the athletic director asked me if I would take over the program, which was, uh, like I said, 98, 99, somewhere in there. And I said, yeah. So I, I took the program over halfway through its season, and uh, we, were, we were pretty good. We ended up doing actually very well. 
Um, I don't know that the program was, was really good at the time, but we, we played really good that year. And it was just before we went Division II, NCAA Division II. And actually, the athletic director said, Tommy, how would you like to take the program? How would you like to become, the, uh, instead of an interim, become the, the, the head coach? And I do a lot of other things, guys, that, that I just couldn't or I didn't want to give up at that time. Yep. I was probably 40 at that time. And I didn't want to give up some of the things that I do in, in refereeing and some of the other things that I do. So I declined it, and that's when they hired Mark McKenzie. Okay. Lunch McKenzie became our head baseball coach, I think, in, in 2000. And uh, he, actually said, he actually asked me to stay on as the, as the assistant back then. So I assisted Lunch uh, from 2000 to maybe... 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Okay. And then I became an assistant athletic director right around that time. Okay. I got you. So kind of what is it that drew you to wanting to be a coach? I'm sorry? What, what is it that kind of made you want to be a coach? It's kind of in, our, in my blood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, like, I like athletics. I like coaching. Um, I like young people. I, I, I tell people the best part of my job is I get to hang around young, uh, young college co-eds that are, that are eager to learn, um, uh, they want to learn. They're 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 good at what they do. And don't get me wrong. I think we still have some, some you know that I'd like to go to class a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> um, but I, but they they keep me young. You know they keep yeah. me uh, energized. And uh, and I look forward to going to practice. And I look forward to to coaching. I it's it's in my blood. I I enjoy coaching athletics. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, you mentioned that sports have like you said they're kind of in your blood. Can you kind of talk about? Your career as a basketball ref. I know you mentioned earlier football ref. You want to talk a little bit of how you got in that game and what that's like? Well, I, ha- I have done a little bit of all of it. I, I, I umpired baseball and softball. I coached football. But basketball was kind of my, uh, my thing. I, I really enjoyed refereeing, refereeing basketball. I'm no different than anybody else. I just started off uh, refereeing intramural basketball back down in Mankato. And then, uh, and, and then it moved down to refereeing high school basketball. And, and then uh, I like to think that if, if you're any good, you move up in the ranks and things like that. So I moved sure. up into college, into junior college, and, and then I moved up to the college ranks. And then some, some good things happened to me uh, uh, where, I was <clears throat> where I was hired in a couple of Division I conferences and, and uh, refereed Division I, uh, I basketball. And, again, I was a product of being in the right place at the right time. And, and about 20 years ago, I was – I was hired to referee uh, WNBA basketball. I've been doing that for 20 years now. So, uh, you know, certain opportunities have to kind of come your way. Uh, but once they do, I think you have to kind of grab onto them and, and grab onto an opportunity and, and uh, try to make it work. And, and I've been fortunate enough to do that. One of your brothers has been an uh, NBA ref, if I'm correct. I follow in his. Yeah, my brother Kenny has been an NBA referee for 33 years. Wow which is, I don't know if I'll ever do anything for 33 years total, but uh, <laughs> he's been refereeing professional NBA basketball for 33 years. And uh, he was very instrumental in, 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 uh, in um, recommending me to some of the opportunities that I've had in, in refereeing, not only in the WNBA, but all the way back to, to when I was refereeing high school basketball and, and college basketball. He was, uh, uh, he was a big reason why I, I was able to get those opportunities. For sure. Do you have any? I mean, I'm sure you have some good stories about being a ref I mean, with umpire and football and ba- and uh, geez, well, basketball. That's the third one. We've got to have some good stories from that. <laughs> um, I'd have to think of a few. Um, yeah. I have a little personal goal of, of of refereeing at every level of basketball that there is. Um, I had a goal of doing a 
doing a national t a national championship team at every level, and I've done it at the Division three level. I've done it at the Division at the Division two level. I've done it at high school level. Um, uh, I've refereed in the CBA. I've refereed in the in the NBA during some strike years, and I've refereed in the WNBA finals. So that was kind of a goal of mine. I don't think I'm ever going to referee the NBA finals, but that was kind of a goal of mine. Stories. Um, I mean, I'd really have to think about some of the stories that I have in, in all the different leagues that, that, have, that have come about. Um, uh, I don't know. I did, a game, I did a game once down at Morris, Minnesota, when they were at University of Minnesota Morris, and I got in an accident. Really? Tanner, I got in an accident on the way to the game. That's not good. On Highway 23, right out of uh, St. Cloud area, going to Morris, my car got in an accident. I was so frazzled during the game, but I still got picked up. Me and my partner got picked up. We went and refereed the game. Guys, I ended up throwing out six players, two <laughs> coaches, and two fans. Did they have it coming? They, well, I think I was a little rattled myself. So if anyone kind of got under my skin, I wasn't kind of in the mood to, to listen to anything. So, yeah, uh, six players, two coaches, uh, two fans, um, and uh, I wasn't really real popular down at, down at Morris that day. No. But uh, I'd have to think about a few more stories. Yeah. If you give me a little time, I will. But uh, um, I got a few of them. Okay. Who'd you say? Is there like a uh, who? Like, say, who's the best team or best player that you ever officiated for? Um, Any sport. The best player that I've ever well, uh, again, I, I refereed. Uh, I refereed Magic. And okay. those guys, when I when uh, the NBA went on strike, mm -hmm. uh, they've been on strike probably three or four times during my career, and I was fortunate to to uh, to referee in the NBA during the, those strike years. So I've refereed those kind of things. Uh, um, I've refereed Kevin Garnett in a number of different games that that he's played in, and things like that. Um, I'm going to actually say that one of the best players, and she's not my favorite player in the world, but one of the best players in the world is Diana Trossi. Yeah. She's yep. probably the best women's basketball player ever, uh, and uh, that's playing right now. And I've refereed her for as long as she's been in the league. Uh, she's probably been in the league 10, 12 years now. And uh, so she could be the best athlete uh, with some of the accolades that she's had that, that I've ever refereed. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's quite the player and had quite the career. But so – is there a big difference between like the different levels of basketball? You said you've been D three, Division two, and you've said done a little bit of Division one. Where's the? Is there a huge talent break between each level? Or um, there is, there is. Um, uh, obviously, uh, the, the the difference between Division two and Division one is is probably about five inches. Yeah. You know, if players were at the Division two level, were just you know three, four, five inches taller, uh, uh, they'd be they'd be close to the same. It's Division one. They're they're bigger, stronger, faster. They play above the rim. They they can do things. The NBA, those players do things that you you just don't you just don't see. So as as you move up in in talent level, like you asked, um, there there is. I mean, uh, uh, that's why they're where they're at is mm -hmm. because they they're Division One or they're they're you know NBA players and and the WNBA is making some of the biggest stride. Women's basketball guys has has quadrupled in talent in the last ten years of their existence, and, and uh, players are just becoming really good. So there is a difference. There's a huge difference in the talent level, you know, going all the way back to, uh, you know, high school kids, obviously, and, and moving up. But, uh, yeah, I think there is. How do you think the game has changed since you've 
begun officiating to where it is now? Well, uh, in terms of breaking down the game itself, um, I've refereed both games. The women's game is much more of a team game, much more of a, uh, uh, you know, not as much individual or uh, in a men's game, in a Division One game or a pro game or something like that. Those, those guys can, t- LeBron can take over a game anytime he wants, mm-hmm. where the women's game is way more of a, of a, a team game. And I'll say this, women, they play as hard, if not harder, than men do. Mm-hmm. They want to win more than men do. They appreciate the game that they're playing more than men do. And uh, um, they may not be as good, you know, per se, but no one will ever tell me that they don't play as hard, if not harder, than, uh, than a men's team. For sure. For sure. So being a referee is definitely, I would say, a thankless job. I mean, other than the time when you were at Morris, it seems like referees are always getting barked at, barked at here, barked at there from both sides, no matter what the call is. How do you kind of manage being public enemy number one? And you are. Yeah, you are. I mean, a referee, someone, someone's going to lose. I was yeah. talking to someone actually just today when we were talking about coaching careers and things like that. Someone is going to lose. So someone is not going to like uh, you know how how you had worked a game, or if I can come out of a game where both teams have have uh, appreciated or, or enjoyed how I worked the game, that's few and far between. It just doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often because someone's going to lose, and yeah. they're not they're going to uh, they're just not going to like the way the way you work the game. But you know what? I try to be as as fair and as honest and as impartial as you possibly can, and and I think coaches and, and teams like that. Again, they may not. They may not like your answer, but I think they like the fact that you're going to work the game no matter if I'm at somebody's home court or, or not, and, uh, and they're going to get a fair shake all the way through. That's what I do. Okay. Very cool. So uh, kind of moving back a little bit, you attended Harding High School, and you're still involved there, if I'm correct, right? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about what you do there and how you still stay involved? Well, my father coached there for 21 years. I, I played for him. I, I played three sports there. I I, uh, um, I excelled in all three sports, and and uh, um, I'm still very. It, it's changed a lot. The, the the high school itself has changed a lot. The demographics, the size, and things like that. But I still try to stay real involved in in my high school. I I took on the role of a of a booster club chairman or president, whatever you want to call it, where where I go back. I go and give back to to my high school through through certain events, through golf tournaments and. Hall of Fame inductions and things like that, where um, I like doing that. I, I, uh, um, I like giving back to, to my old high school, which I, had, I enjoyed immensely. Um, uh, so I'm very, very involved in those things. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So kind of when you're not coaching or working here at CSB, what, do pe- what can you, people find you doing? What do you like to do on your free time? Well, I don't, I don't go, stay home very often. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you usually can see me somewhere. I, you know, um, I love doing anything, any athletic event, uh, concerts. Uh, I love to travel. Uh, I've been fortunate to travel a little bit in the last 10 years, and, and I love going, you know, going to warm weather and, and uh, uh, visiting those kinds of things. But I don't stay home very often. Yeah. Um, pro games. Uh, uh, um, but you can find me pretty much doing, doing anything. Yeah. You said uh, music. Who's your go-to artist? Huge Springsteen fan. Really? Huge Bruce? Springsteen fan. Okay. Absolutely. I would I would sing a verse right now if I wouldn't lose all your your listeners right now. I was right going to say but go for huge it. Huge Springsteen fan. I bet you I've seen Bruce probably probably 30 35 times over over my uh 
over the last 30 years. So okay. everywhere, everywhere I've traveled to see them and, and have seen them locally, and I'm a big Springsteen fan. Very cool, very cool. Well, Tommy, I think that's all I've really got for you. I want to say thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was great. I, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed talking to you and, and reminiscing a little bit, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, rounding out the rest of this week in Golden Bear Athletics, on Friday, the cross-country program is headed to Sauk Rapids, Minnesota, for the Bob Waxlax Invitational, hosted by St. Cloud. The volleyball team will host St. Cloud State. That starts at 6, and the soccer team is hosting MSU Moorhead at Seafoam Stadium, and that kicks off at 7. The first 50 students to those events will get free pizza courtesy of Green Mill, so go show out, Golden Bear fans. On Saturday, the football team is hosting Minnesota Crookston for Staff and Faculty Appreciation Day. That game kicks off at noon. And at 5, the volleyball team will be hosting the UMD Bulldogs of Duluth for the Roast the Dogs Night, a showdown amongst two top-ranked teams. Please come out and show your support, Golden Bear fans. Sunday, the women's golf team has DeBorton, Minnesota for the NSIC Fall Preview. And the soccer team hosts Northern State at Seafoam Stadium. That starts at 1. I would like to recognize this week's Athletes of the Week in soccer player Jordan Rowan Stafford and football player Des Bassett. Jordan scored three goals last week, two of which in a win against Crookston. She leads the team with five goals and 11 points, and she now ranks fifth in program history in goals and in assists. Bassett snagged an interception in last week's game against U. Mary and took it to the house for a 77-yard pick six. He also had six tackles and a pass breakup on fourth down to end Mary's final drive of the game, securing the win for the Golden Bears. I also want to give a quick shout-out to sophomore golfers Taylor Zach and Eric Olson. Zach and Olson were both named NSIC Golf Athletes of the Week. Well, congrats to all four of you, and I think that's all I've got for you guys this week. Congrats to Good luck to all the Golden Bears competing this weekend, and for us of you, go out there and cheer them on. Thanks, everyone. See ya!